What's up, Tears? This episode of Tear Time is brought to you by Yard Force. As you all know, when playing golf, you need to get to the point where your swing is automatic. If you start to think too much, then you've already lost. Luckily, when it comes to outdoor power equipment, Yard Force keeps you in the zone with power and control. They've taken out the trouble of overcomplicating your yard work to making it easier to get your products done faster and with more efficiency. You like to be in control on the course. Well, Yard Force designs every one of their products with complete control and balance in mind. The new YF48VRX RER battery-powered riding mower is insane. Did you ever imagine that you could cut 1.5 acres of grass without stopping on a battery-powered mower? Don't think so. It is loaded with cool features including push-button direction control, cruise control, USB power ports, and an LED headlight. The twin blade 38 inch deck includes the Yard Force Vortex cutting system for fast and efficient cutting. Tomorrow is here now. Time to step up to clean and efficient battery power on your riding mower. Yard Force products can be found online and at most home improvement retailers. Check them out at www.yardforceusa.com. Yard Force, yard work made easy, son. And this is Will Wilcox. There you go. There you go. Jim Renner on the 15th hole. His third shot. You bet. Got 32-year veteran PGA Tour rider Doug Milne, and I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. It's great to be here and great to see you again. It's been a long time. I, you've always been somebody I've drawn a lot of uh, inspiration from. And um, after reading that uh, uh, letter you wrote to Hale, man, that's pretty That's pretty incredible. I mean, I was a big Hale Irwin fan. I was born in 86, so in 97 when he was on a tear, yeah. Washington, he, he winked at me at the, uh, the uh, Bruno's Memorial Classic, and I was like, that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a good guy, and he's one that very unlikely – guy to have really been someone that's made me wanted to stick around at the PGA tour. I didn't, I never even heard of Hale Irwin before I started working at the tour. And so uh, we can kind of get more into that if you want, as we, as we go through. Yeah. I mean, I'm just uh, blown away how it was just like a, a, a slow burn, a slow start a little bit. I guess that's how it is in writing. And, but I mean, you were, given so much confidence by that NBC affiliate uh, uh, colleague of yours saying that you're kind of too big for this, you know, and your writing is so, so uh, fantastic. And that letter was so thoughtfully and well-written and it just, uh, it really made me uh, think about our interactions and how you right. were always an advocate of, of mine. And now I've gotten my head right. Um, I know you've gotten your head right for many years. So that's another thing that I look up to. Um, sure. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, your perseverance is, 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 is a constant inspiration for real. Well, I, I, uh, I, I, it sounds like I'm kidding, but I'm really not. When I say that there was a combination between a lack of alternatives and being lazy out yeah. of college, um, that is, I've got to chalk it up to those two elements of how I got to be where I am when I graduated. I, I actually majored in journalism slash communications at a small school in Virginia, Lindsberg College. Loved the school. They didn't have a football team which made no difference to me whatsoever because I've never been a sports fan. A lot of people uh -huh. don't, they can't even comprehend the fact that you're a male and you're not a sports fan. And <laughs> I was just, I just was never, I was always a music guy. I've always loved music. And so when I graduated, I graduated with high honors from Lynchburg. And when I, I was under the impression that I was just going to waltz back home to Jacksonville, Florida, and the job opportunities were going to be lining up for me at the front door. And that is absolutely the opposite of what happened. I couldn't find anything. And so my dad had a friend who was the, uh, an anchor at the NBC affiliate in Jacksonville and talked to the anchor and said, Hey, would you take my son on? He's got a degree. He's a really good writer. He just needs a little bit of a break. And so they took me on and uh, my grand vision of writing the great American novel was thwarted at least temporarily by writing for the six and 11 o'clock news. So you wanted to be a novelist. I mean, you wanted to write. I did. I did. Yeah. And I do. And, and, you know, that's not the only way to, to be creative with your writing, which I've learned because I, I journal a lot and 
So I worked for a year at the NBC affiliate in Jacksonville. And one night after the 11 o'clock news, the female anchor at the time, who was not the easiest person to deal with, she pulled me aside and she told me I was wasting my time here. And I, I didn't understand. I thought I understood what she was saying, but I, I told her negatively. Yeah. I told her, I said, Marsha, I feel like I'm trying my hardest. I'm doing my best. And she said, no, you don't understand. You're doing, you're too good of a writer to be limited to local news in Jacksonville, Florida. You need to be on grander stages. And her husband at the time was a producer with PGA tour productions. And she said, he's looking for a writer, someone that need that can write bios about players. And I literally laughed at her. I told her, I said, Marsha, I appreciate it, but I know nothing about golf. I've never played golf. I don't know golf. I, I probably could have distinguished Jack Nicholas from Arnold Palmer, yeah. but that was, oh, that was the, a funny statement. <laughs> yeah, and that was about the extent of it. She said, well, that's even better because he's not looking for someone that's just looking for free golf, free clothes, free swag, stuff like that. And so reluctantly I did, and I went and met with her husband and um, they, they offered me the job for $5 an hour with no insurance, no benefits and no guarantee that they'd ever even put me on staff as an employee with insurance or benefits. And <clears throat> there's where the lack of alternatives and laziness came into play. So I thought, well, you know what? I got the garage apartment behind my parents' house. I can live in. I don't have a yeah. rent to pay. I'll do this for a few months until something bigger and better comes along. And lo and behold, yesterday I crossed the 32-year mark. Yeah. Tour. So I'd say I know a little bit more about the game of golf now. So you, that was in 91 that you got? That was, in, that was August 26th of 1991, my first day with the PGA Tour. And I was scared. I was young. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the game. I felt like the best way to describe it is someone that's illiterate and tries to hide the fact that he can't read. And he tries to make his way without ever having to come clean that he can't read or she can't yeah. read. And um, And so I just kept my head down and everybody else there was very well versed in the game of golf and they were good players. And so I never, I couldn't even carry on a conversation because I didn't know the lingo. I didn't I was gonna even, say, a lot of people say, can, you know, when you shoot the ball or so, you know, whatever. Exactly. Like that. that would have been me. Yeah. That would, have been, that would have been me. And so, you know, I stuck with it. Um, and it wasn't until three years later that they finally offered me a full-time job for $18,500 a year. That was my starting salary. Yeah. And I had just gotten married to my wife, who was a first grade teacher. So she was making about the same thing. So combined, we weren't even making $40,000. Yeah. And so we, we lived in the garage apartment behind my parents' house for a year or two. And then we bought a modest little house in 1995, I think, um, for $120,000 and we are still in the same house today. Pretty solid house. I mean, that's a, you know, obviously it's a, a sliding scale and in inflation, everything. I'm, you know, I imagine that's a little one level Florida home, you know, that's exactly what it is. It, that's yeah. exactly what it is. We've had, you know, it was built in the thirties. So we've had all kinds of problems over the years, but it's worked out well. We've raised three kids in it. And yeah. one of them has graduated from college right in the midst of COVID to be a teacher like my wife and she obviously in the middle of COVID, there weren't any teaching jobs to be found because yeah. nothing was happening. And so she moved back home with us and we encouraged her to do that because now with my job, my schedule is that I'm gone 30 weeks a year. My twins are off at college. And so it was just going to be my wife and I felt bad being gone so much. And so now with my daughter home, who's also a teacher. The two of them are the best of friends and they're having a great time. My daughter's able to save her money and mm -hmm. she's a little embarrassed about the fact that she's living at home with mom and dad, but she's only 24 and she'll, yeah. she'll, she'll move on. She just bought herself a, a sweet new uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. So she's, she's like, I can, I, I can handle this rent free living for a while. And, and yeah, yeah, just got to yeah. chip away at it, man. I mean, you know, it's yeah. all about perspective. I mean, you know, I, when I, uh, couple months ago, I lived with my parents for three months when I moved back to Alabama. And it's just, you know, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet until, you know, something better comes along. Um, but and uh, yeah. And, and, and I'm now, now I got a, a little crib in Bama and um, I actually sold my house in Jupiter a month before the pandemic hit. So I lost, it turned into a million dollar home like a year and a half, but um, <laughs> of course it did. Very happy doing this. And um, 
and, and, and giving lessons. So yeah, I'm, I'm golf adjacent. Um, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been really, uh, cool. And, and I love the article that you wrote or the letter and then Hale's response was also fantastic. And yeah. so, I mean, he, he was your guy. I mean, he was the best player out there. And did he, I mean, I assume when other players saw you interacting with him, that allowed you to kind of that opened the door for, for other players. Yeah, they, they helped. I always, I didn't have the golf background to go at these players. I was fortunate because I started on the champions tour, senior tour back then. Yep. That's where I started. And so a lot of those guys never even played the PGA tour. They just turned 50. They came from jobs as steel workers. There was a guy, Walt Zimbriski from Pittsburgh, who was a steel worker. There was a guy named Bob Betley, who was a motorcycle cop in Ogden, Utah, until he turned 50 and his game became good enough. So that is what drew me. I loved hearing the non-sports related, non-golf backgrounds of these guys. Obviously, Hale did come from a very successful PGA Tour background before. U.S. Opens. And so, but, but I love the, the non, I love the human side of these people. And that is the key for me. That's what kept me going around is because I loved, if I was talking to, you know, Walt Zimbriski, the guy, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he was just a grizzled, gnarly looking dude who, if you were to look at him, you would say, yep, that's a Pittsburgh steel worker right there. But he had the best stories about his life and the things that he overcame and the struggles and the trials and the tribulations. And that mm-hmm. is what I've always been drawn to when I'm um, out at these events uh, these days. I'm more taken by the 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 guy who's selling hot dogs or parking cars. I'm more interested in talking to the guy who's got his arms covered in tattoos because I'm fascinated, fascinated by, you know, tell me the story behind your tattoos. What led to that? And, and uh, so it, so that actually helped me if you can believe it or not, because when, when the, when players like yourself, um, you and I connected right away. And I think honestly, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was more interested in you as a person and you were good enough and felt comfortable enough with me to share with me some of the hurdles you were going through at the time and and beyond. And here I am sitting here with you today. That means some, a lot to me because you obviously didn't forget about me and I've certainly not forgotten about you. And I always, uh, I'm, I'm pulling for people in life, not just, I'm I'm not necessarily pulling for someone on the golf course to win the tournament. I pull for people, I pull for people in life because I've needed it. I've needed, I need it every day. I still need it every day. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, I, I, that, that kind of spreads to a bigger picture of that's what I want for everybody. Just, you know, make an effort and, and, and do your best. And Lord knows I've made my share of mistakes um, but I just, I keep going and I learned early on, you don't wait for bigger and better to come along. You, you, you are as good as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. That's it. What you got is what you got. That doesn't mean it's what you're stuck with, but you've got the base and that's all you've got. And you just have to build on it from there. And that's, that's worked well. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not rich and I'm not, um, you know, doing all the jet setting around the world on nice vacations, but we're also, you know, we're not eating out of the neighbor's trash either to keep food on the table. And, and so that, that's always the, the point that I've kind of fired from. Yeah. I mean, your, your vulnerability, um, your life experience, um, you know, obviously you're chock full of life experience, but the vulnerability that you bring to the um, journalism, uh, you know, writing articles about these uh, golfers, I think that's what people were drawn to. That's definitely what I was drawn to. Lord knows I spilt my guts to you on the back porch of our rental house in Reno that one year. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it was just, you know, I didn't do that other than Mark Baldwin. I, I Mark is like a younger version of you. Um, it's, you know, easy to talk to, um, somebody that's not going to be judgmental, somebody that like, like I said, the vulnerability and and that's what people probably saw. And that's, you know, if the tour can be so buttoned up and, you know, I'm perfect. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just the, uh, just like the perfect consummate professional, you know, the epitome of tour, everything's so regimented and I get things done and, and longevity of career, you know, uh, being, being an athlete, having less distractions and being more streamlined. 
you're, you're going to make it longer in the game, but it's not as interesting. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, um, I was always drawn to, to you and, and it's cool to, to reconnect. And that's why I love doing this podcast. And, um, you know, I don't know how many of these you've done, but I've read some articles and, um, I mean, celebrating 32 years, what a big deal. I mean, that's, that's so cool. I, now you're the big cheese around there, huh? Like everybody's looking up <laughs> to you and trying to learn from you. Yeah, well, my, my first 15 years, I was kind of behind the scenes more. I was a producer at PGA Tour Productions, which is now goes by PGA Tour Entertainment. Um, it was in 2007 that I took the media official position, um, and it was a lot more front and center. I went from cutting videos in dark edit rooms in a building in Jacksonville, Florida, to being out there, the guy, the first person the player sees when he's done with a round, asking him if he'll come over here and stand in front of this backdrop and, and let us ask you a few questions about your round. And, um, so I've been, so it was a big learning curve to go to the media official side of things, but I just kept doing, I'm like, I, there's nothing really for me to learn. I think I just need to keep being myself. And a lot of these players took to me early on because they realized I wasn't starstruck I wasn't nervous around them. To me, they're just people. I'm just doing a job and I'm trying to do a good job. And um, and that that worked well for me. I'm more interested in talking to Hale Irwin about his former business. I don't know if it was insurance or whatever he did, but he was a businessman for a long time. I found more interest in talking to him about that or talking to um, to you about all the, you know, the, the myriad of things that you and I talked about. Um, and I think the players like that. They don't want to sit around and talk about golf all the time or how well they played on Thursday and this and that. And that's, that's worked well. And now having been in it this long, working a regular tour groove and, um, I'm on the, uh, champions tour this weekend. So I'm seeing a lot of guys that I haven't seen in 15, 16 years, and they still remember me. They still remember my name and they still remember, Hey, you still running, you still working out. And I don't do much, but those are two things that I do do. And uh-huh. so it, it made me feel good that a lot of these random guys, you know, remembered me, whether it's, you know, from Jesper Parnovic and Bob Estes, not necessarily household names, but they, they remember Carlos Franco just came up to me and he asked if I remembered it in new Orleans, when I went and ate all this crawfish on bourbon street yeah, I do. But then, you know, side note, that wasn't all I did on Bourbon Street that night. And, and so I hear you. I, and, and everybody's uh, like, what's your favorite tournament? I'm like the Zurich. And it's for all the wrong reasons. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it's been uh, it's been a it's been a great run. And as long as they'll keep me around, I'll I'll keep doing it. But I'm just I'm not I'm not going to I don't want to come across and sound like I'm a rebel who's fighting the system, fighting the power, but I'm not going to change and become, I'm not going to go take golf lessons and become a good player and start talking the the lingo more and stuff like that. I mean, I think, I, I think people have accepted me for, for who I am still not a sports fan. I couldn't tell you who won the Super Bowl last year and I don't care, but um, I couldn't either actually. Oh, maybe Tampa Bay. Anyways. Yeah. 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 But um, it's, it, that's, that's, that's worked well for me. And I think it it continues to work well for me and I'm, and I'm happy and I'm comfortable and I sleep good at night and I do a really good job. And, you know, life has changed in a lot of ways for the better that, you know, you know about, and, um, Mm -hmm. and, and I still get up and I have to work out every morning and I'm, or my day's not complete. And so if I have to get up at four 30 in the morning, like I did this morning, I'll do it. And people are like, why do you do that? Why do you get up? Why not just do it after? Why not? Why four 30 in the morning? And I say simply, well, because I can, I can do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And like today, for instance, to your point, and, and I want to say more things about your writing styles that you humanize people. A lot of sure. like these players, a lot of people put these golfers on a pedestal. You kind of break it more down to the bare bones and it's, you know, turn them into people. Um, but, but the fact that you can wake up, feel good today, um, I, it was a billion degrees, hundred percent humidity. Had I still been on a bad path, 
I wouldn't have been able to sweat it out on that range. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't be able to wake up before I am and do sit-ups or pull whatever you're doing. I mean, I don't think I'd want to arm wrestle you, although I have put on 25 pounds. So if you want to throw it out, <laughs> you look good. You look I, good. Dude, I'm like, <laughs> I feel so good. It's insane. When I went into treatment, I was 147 pounds. Now I'm 172. 147. Um, wow. Yeah. But I mean, when I was talking to you on tour, I was, I mean, the year I got my car, I was 137, but I was, I was chiseled and I hadn't gone down the really bad path yet. And then when I was on tour, I was, my skin looked like wet cardboard. I would just felt like crap all the time. And I, you know, practice rounds, I would just walk off. I was like, I can't take this. Um, but now um, you and I both, uh, having made better choices, you're in, how long are you, you're 20 years, 15 years into your new journey, something like that. No, it'll be, it'll be 11 years on September 4th. That's awesome. And alcohol was my, as you know, alcohol was my little snag, so to speak. And it was just perpetuated when I took this job in 2007, I've always been, I'd always been a heavy drinker. I mean, I I started with two with two drinks. The first time I ever drank was one in each hand, and it just went downhill from there. And then when I got this job, working thirty weeks a year away from home, I thought, wow, I can really kick the party up. So I'm going to be off the radars. I'm going to be in cities. I'm going to be going back to hotels, nobody to answer to. And and it, as you might imagine, it catches up to you. And it did. It caught up to me in a bad way. I was physically unhealthy. I was professionally unhealthy. My family was distanced from me. Uh, my coworkers were concerned about me and, and it came to a, just a, a bad, I don't know if there's a bad ending, if you're around to talk about it clean after the fact. So maybe it was a great ending. Turned out all right. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out all right, but it was, it was bad. I it's was scary. I, I should have lost my job. <clears throat> I should have lost my job twice. And, mm-hmm. and the tour stuck by me. And so I'm incredibly grateful to them. They offered to help me get the treatment that I need and provide me the time off to do that. And, and I did it once just to appease them. And uh, I had no intention of quitting drinking. My solution was I'm just going to be smarter about it. I'll just mm-hmm. stick more wads of gum in my mouth to kill the taste and or to kill the smell that's coming out of me. And uh, that failed, too. And mm-hmm. so the second time around, they 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 laid it out and they said, we're going to give you one more shot. And um, you have to understand where we're coming from, which I did at that point. And I knew it was time to to quit. So that was on September 4th. I woke up in a horrible motel in um in boston it was the old it was the deutsche bank tournament in Mm -hmm. 2011 at tpc boston and i was staying at patriot place there's this it was i won't name the name of the motel but it was definitely not a hotel it was a motel and i woke up that morning in a room that i didn't remember going into the night before I was alone, but uh, I just looked around and I thought, how did I get here? What did I do? Where have I been? Why am I here? And the door was open to the motel room. I guess I passed out and the door was open all night. And that's and that's when I walked outside and the sun was just painfully bright. And I thought, you know what, I'm done. And I had to go home that day because they had called me the night before and they said, we know you're out. We, you know, we had people see you, you need to get on the next plane and come home. And so I did. And that was September 4th, 2011. And haven't had a, had a drop since. And I feel better than I've ever felt. And I've always been kind of a, uh, addict. I've had an addictive personality. I'm not the kind of person that can open a bag of Doritos and eat one or two or even a handful. If I open the bag of Doritos, I'm going to eat the entire bag of Doritos. Yeah. If I start drinking, I'm not going to stop after one or two drinks. I'm going to stop when I have passed out and woke up the next morning wondering how much I drank the night before. And so... I've since put my addictive personality into running and fitness and weights and working out. That's worked out. That's worked out a lot better for me. 
Yeah, yeah. And and just being able to do it, um, being in the heat, being able to, uh, you know, stand it and have your body not, um, you know, just, I don't know, you just kind of like, re- your body just revolts against what you're doing. I mean, and that's the thing, when we're in the golf business, you're going to be in a lot of very warm conditions and, and being all hung over or pilled yeah. out or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's just going to show and you're going to sweat and you're going to feel like crap and your brain isn't going to work as well. But um, that's pretty awesome that um, you were able to to see the light. Obviously you had some people um, pushing you in that direction. And I, and I, I hit rock bottom too. And, and, and that's like in the letter to hail, um, you, you kind of got to hit rock bottom and, and thank goodness nothing happened. We didn't hurt our, well, we hurt ourselves, but you know, didn't hurt anyone else. I mean, maybe emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, uh, seeing that look in, in, in your case, your wife's face, uh, you know, I was looking at my mother, I'd r- ruined some wonderful relationships with some great, uh, girls. And it was just kind of like, okay, if I want to be a, um, functional member of society, this is no longer an option and it's run its course. I did 20 years of, of running and gunning and, and it's just like, I'm 36. So that means I was only sober for, um, yeah, I was 35 at the time. So I don't, I was only sober for 15 years. And then I did 20 years. I'm like, Oh my God, what are you doing? You know, this is, if you do any longer, I mean, you're going to look like hell. You're going to feel like hell and, and you're really going to be isolated. So yeah. um, that's just, that's fantastic. They gave you no opportunity, but I mean, I'm sure you were slightly emboldened by your ability to function and still get your work done. Obviously oh, you were. My God, yeah. That's, that's was, the thing. When you're like, like when I was on tour, I was like, I can have my cake and eat it too, you know, which is the stupidest thing ever. And that's why I like to talk to people. USAM last week and uh, Ben didn't have a drop all week. Um, and, you know, he just was just focus, focus, focus. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, had I made it to the quarters, had I made it to match play, I, you know, when I was 21, I would have sent it, you know, I, I would just, and I just would have had a great time. But Ben, I was just so impressed. And, and, and not that he needs my advice, but I love to talk to the younger players and say that, sure, it is great. And you'll be able to wake up tomorrow and probably play good golf. But I promise by the time you turn 30, you're, you're screwed. Um, and it just eats away at you. The high isn't as good. You know, you're not as social. It becomes more isolating than you drink alone and things like that. But, um, more and more and you just, it just keeps getting you, you know, once you, once you can handle 10 beers without a problem, then you're going to need 15 and it just keeps going from there. Yeah. And then you're destroying your stomach liner and your organs literally just kind of shut down. At least in my case, they, they, they were, they were trying to, luckily my enzymes are fine. I'm, I'm good. Um, somehow, um, you know, I don't know how I'm okay. Um, but did did I ever tell you about my, the, the emergency heart surgery I had, which kind of loosely tied into my drinking? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I've known people that had to do a similar thing and needed to pump the brakes, uh, but yeah. uh, you didn't tell me about that. Yeah, well, it was in 2017. Um, I'd been clean for five, six years, and I've always been a good runner, but for I started waking up in the middle of the night. Sheets, like a rhythmia? Yeah, the sheets, my, the sheets in my bed were completely soaked. I don't know why or how I was sweating so bad, but it, I mean, it was literally sopping wet. You'd slap your hand down and sweat would pop up. And that was every single night. And I started getting really short breath. I'd go out for a five mile run and I literally wouldn't make it to the end of my street before I had to stop and double over. And so my dad was taking me to the airport to Barbasol, as a matter of fact, and um on the way to the airport, I was telling him it was a two week trip and I told my dad about it. And I'm like, I just don't get it. I'm in great shape. You know, it's been six years since I've had a drink, so it can't be drinking related. And my dad and I'd said, but I just can't catch a breath. And my dad said, well, that's not what a dad wants to hear from his son that he can't catch his breath. So he said, I'm going to come pick you up in two weeks from the airport when you get back. And I'm going to have you an appointment at the Mayo Clinic to get checked out. Just to appease me, it's probably nothing, but let's just get it checked out. And so that whole two weeks I was gone, same sweating issues every night, out of breath, just got worse and worse. And so my dad, sure enough, he picked me up from the airport, took me to the Mayo Clinic. It was on Thursday. I remember we got there at like 1030 in the morning and I never was allowed to leave the hospital. They did all these tests. 
and I had caught some fluke bacterial infection and it was literally attacking my heart. It was eating my heart and my heart wasn't functioning. And so two days later, they cut me open from here, from the, from my neck all the way down to my belly button, wide open, uh, took my heart out, replaced the parts of the aorta with a, a metal valves. I've got metal and, and plastic parts all around me. And me being so stupid after it was over, after the surgery was over, the doctor comes in and says, how you feeling? And, and I said, well, you tell me. And he's like, well, you're as good as new now. And I said, well, my dad was the one that got me here. I wouldn't be here. I would, I'm too stupid and stubborn to come in on my own. So just out of curiosity, this was in August of 2017. I said, just out of curiosity, if I hadn't come in, what would I have been looking at health-wise? And he said, you'd have been dead before Christmas. I'm like, wow, I guess I really don't. That, that was a bacterial infection? It was a bacterial infection, yep. And so I'm now good as new. It was only three months later before I got clearance to run again. He scared, the doctor scared me because I felt great when I left the hospital, even though I had this huge slice all the way down and they didn't even put stitches in. They glued it back together. They glued me together instead wow. of stitching to help with the uh, scarring. And, um, and I asked the doctor when I could start running again. And he's like, of all the people I've ever operated on, that that's a new question. How soon can I start running again? And <laughs> he said, well, just keep in mind, you can walk, but if you were to fall and, you know, brace your fall, your chest is liable to split back open again because we glued it back together. I'm like, that's all I need to hear. You, yeah. <laughs> you just tell me when I'm good. So I've been, you know, three months after the surgery, I started getting back to my 40 miles a week. And so I'm, I'm still running 40 miles a week. I'm a lot slower now at 54 uh, years old than I was when I was 34 years old, but I'm still doing it. I got up this yeah. like a mission. I got up this morning in my hotel at 6 a.m. and went downstairs to the treadmill in the hotel and I knocked my four miles out, five miles. And uh, and so so all's good. Life is, life is good. and. And it's nowhere I'd rather be than sitting right here talking to you. Yeah, dude. And and you're um, where where what event are you at right now? I should have googled that. Yeah, no, that uh, I'm I'm still a regular tour PGA Tour media official, thirty weeks a year. But the Champions Tour, um, they've had some turnover and they needed a little extra help. So this week I'm at the Ally Challenge at Warwick Hills um, on the Champions Tour. And this is day two. I, I keep forgetting that these are only three round events. There's no cut. And mm-hmm. um, and so it's uh, it's been nice to be around a lot of these guys again, the Furyx and the Duvals and the, um, even Fred Funk. Fred Funk was 65 yesterday. He bettered his age by a stroke. And so he's leading. And, um, and it's just nice to be out here. I don't think, you know, after 32 years, I don't, I'm sure I have, but I don't know that I have any enemies. I don't know that I have anybody that, that dislikes me or doesn't enjoy talking to me and stuff like that. And so I feel like I'm, 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 you know, a lot of people are like, well, you're really lucky. And I'm like, well, part of it is just because I've worked at it. I've worked for the, I've worked for the reputation I have, and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody, but I'm just saying, I don't necessarily think anybody dislikes me because I've worked hard to try and be nice. Um, and I had, I had no other option when it goes back to when I started working in the golf industry, I had no other option. Being nice was all I had. I didn't yeah. have golf knowledge. I didn't know how to play the game. And I'm like, well, shit, I may as well just be nice to people and hopefully that'll get me down the road. And it did. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the likability factor and, and I mean, uh, is is massive and and if somebody doesn't like you that's that's a them problem um right so that in my in my opinion um i mean i assume you you've written stuff like a scott perel i love that story i love the um uh the story of uh stephen alker that's pretty awesome kind of yeah, a and, uh, yeah. there's just a lot of cool stories come out of the senior tour i love the todd bailey's a friend of mine he's he's a bit of a loon just like me but um He's the only, I'm Todd Bailey finished like 18th in the senior and uh, Damon Green's one of my favorites ever too. Damon's um, a wonderful guy. Yeah. He did. He did the podcast, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, the year he, I don't know if it was the same year that him and Zach won the 
British Open at St. Andrews, but I know he finished uh, like seventh in the in the uh, tournament. But yeah, I mean, the the stories have got to be pretty exciting. And but I do want to talk about in the 2000s and the 90s. You were there for the whole Tiger thing. You know, the the um, just the groundswell that occurred with golf was just absolutely bonkers, and and you were there the entire time. Um, yeah, I mean, I know being in that um, watching that firsthand um being in the ropes and and i know there's a couple interview uh, great photos of you and tiger um and uh you know what what was that like uh, being around when the game just went crazy yeah it was fantastic and again part of it goes back to um just naturally not being a starstruck person um that uh so i got the first few opportunities to meet and interview write about that kind of stuff with Tiger, I guess around 95, 96. And um, so got in early with him. That helped. And and he remembered me uh, and has always remembered me. And obviously what he did in the 90s is absolutely, you know, will never be replicated or done again. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, Tiger and I are great buddies. We're thick as thieves. I call them when I need advice. I don't, that's, it's not like that. Yeah. Uh, but, but it is nice to know that when I do see him, you know, last year at the father son tournament, he was mm-hmm. with his son and he made a point to come of all the people that were trying to gravitate towards him. He made a point to come over to me. Nice. I wasn't even looking for him. And so it was, it was nice. And he recognizes, he knows the fact that he he used to give me a hard time because I couldn't tell him how many times he's won. And I couldn't tell him how many runner-up finishes he's had. And I couldn't tell him who won the Super Bowl and this and that. So he he appreciated that. I think the biggest, I love, tell, I love this memory um, at the 2000, it was either the 2007 or 2009 President's Cup. I was the liaison for the American team. It was what it, it was the year that it was in Canada. I can't remember if it was either seven or nine, but as the liaison to the American team, I was in charge of getting all the American players to do, you know, this interview and that interview. And so I had to stay with them the yeah. whole time and stuff like that. And one night, uh, there was a big team dinner and stuff like that, that I was expected to be a part of. I've always liked to kind of keep to myself at the end of the day when I'm done with my job, I don't want to go out and have dinner with anybody. I want to go back to my room, my hotel room. I want to listen to music and or watch Netflix or whatever, but I had to do that. And then the next morning I knew I had to be back front and center with the team at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And so I went down, I was in the same hotel with the team. I went down to the fitness center at four 30 in the morning to work out. And I was running on the treadmill, minding my own business. I knew there wasn't going to be anybody in there. And kind of felt this presence, this shadow over my shoulder at one point. And I turned to look over my shoulder and it was a tiger standing there with his arms crossed, just watching <laughs> me with that grin, that Tiger Woods grin on his face. And, and so I made some joke like, you know, something stupid like, sorry, treadmill's taken. And yeah, yeah. and so he he wound up going over and doing his thing. And after I got done running, um, stopped and chatted with him while I was cooling off for a few minutes. And that's when he started asking me, like, you're out here all the time. How do you keep it up? How do you maintain? I'm like, I coming down to hotel fitness centers at 430 in the morning. And so to this day, whenever I see him, he says, you're the 430 fitness center. Uh, you still got that regimen going. And so he Tiger's always remembered that I've been amazed by how much he packs away in his head and what he remembers the smallest little things. Yeah. So he's been, you know what? He's been more, he's been easier to work with and deal with than most people out here. I mean, Woody Austin yesterday, seemingly kind of an unassuming guy, but Woody Austin's a, he's a, he's a good guy, but he's a prickly guy. And he's, you know, I've met him a million times mm-hmm. and yesterday I hadn't seen him in 10 years. And yesterday was like the first time he'd ever seen me, which is totally fine. But, you know, I'd go years without seeing or working with Tiger. And every time I'd see him, it always come back to that 2009 in Canada on the ground floor in that fitness center and blah, 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 this and that. And, uh, so he's been he's been great. He's been fantastic. He's obviously been good for a few pictures, which my kids love. And 
stuff like that. So this episode of Tier Time is brought to you by Red Rooster Golf. Here's one of the most underrated pieces of equipment in the game, a buttery soft golf glove. I love slipping on a fresh, perfectly fitting glove on the first tee. It's such a great feeling and it sets the proper tone for the round. A good fitting quality glove is something we tour pros used to take for granted because we have four to five every week. They were practically disposable. Now that we've got to pay for our gloves, they are no less important. So that got our buddy and former PGA Tour pro Brad Fritch to develop an innovative new venture called Red Rooster Golf. They make tour quality golf gloves at fair prices, delivered by flexible subscription exactly when you need them. And here's the best part. When you buy a glove, they give a glove to youth golf. How cool is that? I saw Red Rooster launch through Kickstarter last year, one of the few golf brands to have success in crowdfunding. More than a thousand backers and raised over $75,000. Great for them. I love so many things about this company at Red Rooster Golf. First, the gloves are badass. As good as any of the top brands, super soft Cabretta leather and really durable. They offer a wide range of styles from classic pearl white options to subtle tones to bold colors. You can purchase the gloves on their own or sign up for their flexible subscription service and save. Get a glove every month or every quarter, pause, increase, decrease, you're in control. But the subscription is really where it's at. Most golfers don't know where their next glove is coming from. So when a fresh new glove arrives in the mail, it's a great reminder that your current glove needs to rotate to the practice squad. They're also selling what's called the glove compartment. Love that name. It's a glove case to keep those beautiful gloves flat and dry so they last longer. Right now, they're offering a 40% discount on your first glove plus glove compartment with any subscription. You'll find that right on the homepage at redroostergolf.com. But if you just want to give one of their gloves a spin before you commit to a subscription, no sweat. That makes perfect sense. We've got a special 20% discount for y'all. Enter coupon code TIER20. That's TIER and the number 220 at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your first purchase. So... Visit my pal Brad and the team at Red Rooster Golf and wake up that golf glove game. Stay dear. What's up, dears? I'm excited to announce a new sponsor in Grass Clippings. These dudes sent me a couple hats a few months ago. Been wearing them nonstop. Wore it the entire time at the U.S. Amateur Caddying for Ben. They are an Arizona-based golf clothing brand. These four founders got together and felt that not one brand truly spoke to them. What they did was they set out to design unique, sustainable clothes that represent the silent heroes of golf, the greenskeepers. But silent heroes don't stop there. Silent heroes are staying grassy all over in every industry, in every sport. Check out their hoodies, lids, bucket hats, t-shirts. They got a ton of great stuff. Grass clippings, stay grassy, stay deer, sco. Deer Time would like to give a shout out to our most recent sponsor, Brandon Tate State Farm in Lincoln, Alabama. Brandon is a local guy like myself from Pell City, Alabama, and opened his State Farm agency back in 2018. And since then, he's immersed himself in everything local. He truly knows what it means to be a good neighbor, and of course, he loves the occasional golfing outing. What insurance agent doesn't, to be honest? Now we know our podcast reaches people all over. But Brandon is here for our Alabama listeners. His office may be in Lincoln, but he has customers all over this great state. We're ecstatic here at Deer Time to have a local guy so eager to jump on board with the podcast. I just recently swapped my insurance over to Brandon and couldn't be happier with the level of customer service I've received. And what's probably the most important to us, saving money. Brandon Tate State Farm saved me a substantial amount of money and sparked a whole conversation about something I never even thought about. He insured my golfing clubs. We've all handed our golf clubs over to the airlines before and thought, mm, probably not going to see those again this time. I bet they're going to end up in Honolulu. Or the occasional thought of a club thief getting brave and taking my favorite 56 degree wedge. Don't you dare. Brandon showed me a policy that covers theft, storage damage, and so many other things for the clubs that I love so dearly. And I could not be more thankful. The best part, this was less than $10 a month for me. So be sure to reach out to Brandon's office and let him know Willie Wilcox sent you. You can find Brandon online at brandontate.net, by phone at 205-763-7023, or if you're local, just stop by his location in Lincoln, Alabama. Once again, that's Brandon Tate, local State Farm agent. Be sure to reach out. Stay dear.
the 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 um there's a lot of bonding that goes on when you're you know you got a common goal you know stay in good shape but i'm sure just him seeing you at 4 30 he was just like okay this guy's the real deal like if you run into tiger at pre 5 a.m in a gym i mean yeah you had to be one of the best moments <laughs> everybody's everybody's one at 5 30 5 a.m in a fitness center yeah yeah exactly like we're, we're doing the same things we got a lot of common ground and i'm sure you weren't just doting on him the whole everybody else is just like oh you know i love you so much and i made that mistake when i first met him i was just you know i was just like big fan big fan you know and, and i should have come in a little softer but but, um, yeah. but like, yeah, the, 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 um, the common ground you found with him that, that had to really open some doors. Cause most people, writers aren't necessarily known for being fitness freaks, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, exactly. Exactly. Brian But yeah, that, that's super cool that you got to experience all that. And in, in those days and you, um, you know, everybody just, uh, everybody, always said you know doug is is the guy you want to talk to he's he's the easiest one to talk to he's he and and then i found that out instantly and you did some stories on me and you called me into the press uh center a few times and i was always just really you know you made it a lot easier um than than some other writers some other writers you know got their nose in the air a little bit and that's that's the opposite yeah well i appreciate you saying that you've always been somebody that i've think about on a regular random basis and and uh not because of what you did on the golf course but because of who I found you to be as a person and that's mm-hmm. kind of that's that's those are the things that I remember about people is yes. is uh how you how you treat other people you were always incredibly generous with your time you always made time for me you always had you always had lots to do as you should as a tour player, but you always made time for me and it never got lost on me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I, I would just, I found it to be, cause I mean, I knew who you were pre tour. I'd read many, many articles. So it was just like a rite of passage. I was like, Oh man, this is uh this is the real deal. And then when I, <laughs> you're, you're pumping me out way too much. Well, I mean, you know, 32 year veteran of the PGA tour. I mean, you, you blazed such a, a incredible path for um you know other writers and 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 just you know when it comes to sports writing i mean you're at the you're at the pinnacle of it um for golf for sure and and it's amazing that you didn't have a ton of golf knowledge leading in and you just took it more on a human level and and that's that's got to be a massive part of your success and you know congrats on the 32 years by the way i i read an article from i guess they did a tv thing on you and jacks or something like that yeah um, yeah. posted five days ago i watched that and yeah um, yeah starting to get some cool recognition I mean, yeah it's crazy it's uh being out here this week i realized that a lot of the guys that are winning out here on the senior tour these days when i started at the pga tour in 1991 they were still in college so i wow. feel like a really i feel like a really old guy right now but you know what i can run faster than everybody yeah. Yeah. Do, I mean, are you doing some strength training too, or do you just, yeah, stick to yeah, I do. Uh, I, I rotate days. Uh, today was a running day. Tomorrow will be upper body weights. And then I'll go nice. back. I just, I run every other day and I do weights on the opposite days. Cool. I like to, I like to uh, work out in, in very hot conditions. The gym I go to here is outdoors. And then the one, uh, and then I'll go in my attic out here and I like to just push my body to the limits because we can now, you know, it's like, exactly. you know, and you, look stars. you look fantastic. What's your, uh, it, yeah, it's, what's your, what's your, of course I'm intrigued. What's your tattoo on your arm there? Uh, I've got, four now um that one's tool mayor james keenan's band are you a mayor oh, yeah. uh, do you know about tool oh for a perfect circle tool sober, baby. and love yeah that's right um all the schism 46 and two i saw them this summer at bonnaroo that's another one that i got um just in austin a few years ago i got the uh when i got sober um uh, I've watched you change um, is a Deftones lyric. And then the other one's just a brand that my buddy, but I try to keep them hidden, but I just, you know, they mark different points in my life, things like that. Um, the I've watched you change lyric is, you know, kind of uh, referencing the day that I was like, this has got to stop. And that's my favorite band next to, well, Tool and them. It's kind of, and I love Rage Against the Machine. And I just, uh, I've yeah. been doing a lot of concerts this summer and I just, it's Good. like, I, I'm more, in tune with 
I'm listening to lyrics and I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, that rings true. And then reading your article, I was just like, I, I'm, I love to, to, to read and listen now. And, and it's just, um, yeah, I mean, you just gotta just, just keep plugging and, and, you know, good things will come your way. And that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast and make sure it's, you know, whatever diversified. I got a lot of people from NHL to NFL to now a great legend sports writer and, um, that's and, fantastic and great golfers. Yeah. Trying my best to, you know, do it. And, um, yeah, yeah. You just start, you're not gonna, you're not, you just start. That's all you got to do. It just, it boils down to something as basic as when your alarm goes off at four 30 in the morning, you have an option. You can either lay there and hit snooze, or you can just get up and start, just put your feet on the floor. So I applaud you for doing that. And it's, sure. uh, it's fantastic. And you look great you sound great. And, and, uh, and it just brings a smile to my face to sit here and look at you, even though I know people listening will uh, will not be able to see us. But but uh, we'll um, move up to that eventually. But yeah, I don't have that like raspy baritone, you know, barely <laughs> awake. You know, my eyes aren't puffy anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I faked it pretty good on tour because I was pretty young. But now, now that I'm 36, it's you know, at 30, you start to get once you start get the puffy or the rosiness, and you yep. know, uh, it's just you know, it, uh, the eyes need it's in the eyes. You know, you, if you got to be able to look somebody in the eye, like I try to see my mom or just somebody every day that's going to hold me accountable and be like, look at these things; they're not pinpoints and they're open. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yep. you know, it's like I'm not hungover. They're not bloodshot. Um, and that's just uh, been a big thing for 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 me is to just make sure I uh, talk to or, or, you know, being held accountable. And I'm sure for the first year or so, that was big for you, too. I mean, it's big for anybody that's trying. Yeah. To get yeah. Well, I tell you, hearing your story is the biggest victory I'll see all week. I, you know, no offense to the guy that wins the tournament tomorrow, but goes back to what I was saying. It's people and people's stories are, are what interests me most. And um, it's a lot harder for you to have done what you've done and for me to have done what I've done than it is for they might disagree with me. But what we've done is a much bigger victory and harder to accomplish than going out and winning a golf tournament, I think. Yeah, I mean, just being able to see people and, and having the um, energy and, and drive to to do stuff, uh, to do things like this, and be on yeah. the range morning early and teach a couple people. But but yeah, I mean, just having the having the drive and um, yeah, it's been a pretty big life life change. I wish I would have gotten the memo sooner, um, but you know, whatever. <laughs> right. if we could re- if we we could redo it. You know, whatever. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you, you probably have a number one. I mean, have you written any novels at this point? Like, I mean, have you written? No, I've got a, I've got hundreds and hundreds of pages of journal stuff, kind of short uh, essay, everything from essays to poems. <clears throat> if I combined it all, I'd have quite a few good books. But as far as like one continuous story of a novel, I have not done that yet. Um, my attention span's not quite where I want it to be yet and enough to be disciplined enough to sit down and write an actual two to 400 word or two to 400 page book, but I am really good at writing a thousand word essay on overcoming obstacles or uh, stuff like that, which I, which I like a lot. I write for three different magazines, freelance, just to help make ends meet in Jacksonville. And I get to pick and choose who I write a cover story for three different magazines each month. And I get to pick and choose who I want to write about. And so that just fits right into who I am and what I like doing. I like telling stories. I like writing about people and sharing their stories. And so I do that. I've done three different magazines every month for seven years. So seven times 12 is 84 times three, whatever that is. That's how many 2000 word cover stories I've written about people in the last seven years, which is a lot, which is a lot. And the overall theme is, uh, I assume, overcoming adversity, things like that a lot of the time. Some of it, yeah. Sometimes it is. A lot of it, they're kind of little community neighborhood magazines. So some of them are more just kind of flowery, get to know a couple in your neighborhood a little better type of thing. But there's nothing more satisfying to me than getting to tell the story of people who overcome hurdles and struggles and stuff like that. Not just because I've done it because, but I just, I just love that human condition, that innate 
it's in everybody, the ability to overcome and rise above. Yeah. You've got to commit to it and you've got to do it. It's yeah. not going to make you right or wrong if you don't or if you do. But for me and you, it was a necessity. And we've learned through that that it was the right thing. It was the only thing probably for you and I. Yes, yes. And the success rate is is fairly low. So to know that you're beating the odds is pretty exciting. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, just being almost seven months opiate freeze is big. And um, and and you're beating the um, the decade mark. And, and now you've been there for uh, over three decades at the tour. So I assume you'll keep rocking. And I, I mean, that it'll be pretty easy to, well, not easy, no, putting a book together is not easy at all. Mark's helping me with mine. Hopefully it'll come out next year. But I mean, I, your story will be a pretty pretty good one. I mean, that with all your journal entries and I mean, you know, the biography of the of the biggest, one of the biggest PGA Tour staff writers of all time. I think that'll that'll fall into place. Well, I would love to check out yours when you, uh, when you get to a point where you can share it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty heavy. And, and the uh, the article that Mark wrote uh, was kind of a oh, broad overview synopsis of it. Um, but but yeah, it'll be it's going to be intense and um, it's already out there and the, the kind of embarrassment from it's uh, pretty much gone. And, um, you know, I've stuck to it. So I've, that my goal now is just we just got to keep keep on trucking and, and, and stay away. I've had some moments where I was feeling down when I tried to play that corn fair event earlier this year, like I got to Atlanta and I just take a left, go home or take a right and go to the dealer's house. And I, 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 I took a left and just went home and went and saw my friend and just said, just keep an eye on me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's little moments like that where once you get past that 20 minutes where you're like, Oh my God, I'm about to drop the ball. Then you're stronger, you know? And, yeah. and I, I really feel like I've, uh, yeah, I've beaten it like three or four times where that's where it's just like, oh my god, I'm gonna slip. I can't do this. And then, I, and I, and unfortunately, I didn't. And in my life, I've been horrible with self control. So to do that is uh, is is has been awesome. So I'm sure you. That's incredible. I couldn't. It'll, this will be the best thing, and I go. This will be the best thing I go through all day is hearing that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, and uh, I appreciate it. I mean, it's one twenty now. When when do your uh, commitments with interviewing uh champions tour legends is starting probably, yeah probably in the next 10 minutes i'm good yeah i mean if you've got other stuff i'm I'm probably good for about 10 more minutes maybe yeah yeah cool um and uh so they're finishing their uh second round now and um is calc there this week by the way he's a he's a friend of the program he is not i don't think he is here I haven't even, I'm kind of in an empty ballroom right now. I just found that it was close enough to the media center to where I could bogart the uh, Wi-Fi signal. And, and yeah. so, uh, so nice. I, I don't, I don't even have any idea. They know I'm in here and if they need to come yank me to go get somebody, they will. But uh, yeah. so I'm good for, good for a little bit. So. Yeah. Is it pretty easy just to snag them off the course? I mean, do you get the, the, I mean, I'm sure you get rejected occasionally, but is it pretty now that you're so established and, um, you know, approachable, they pretty much just walk straight to you now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, we're not going uh, to, the, the nature of what I do once the competition starts is just get the leaders after they've signed their scorecard to come over and stand in front of the tournament backdrop and let the media ask a few questions about the round. It's yeah. a lot easier than the media trying to go directly to the player saying, Hey, I'm so-and-so with the grand blank, Michigan, NBC affiliate. Can I interview you for a few minutes? It just gets chaotic. And so it's better to have one of us there, me to say, Hey, I've got this whole group of media that want to chat with you for a few minutes. Will you just give me five minutes to throw a few questions, talk about your round? And they know the drill. You know, if it's somebody that shoots 78 and one of the local guys is like, hey, uh, I use the name Bob Estes again, totally random name. <clears throat> Bob Estes is from my hometown. and uh, I know he shot 78 today, but I'd like to interview him. And I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. You know, the last thing he's going to want to do is, is, is uh, talk to media. We just kind of stick to the leaders once the – tournament started and so a lot of the players are like man we always like it when we see you coming because that means i'm playing good and, yeah yeah that's, that's um and on what you know one thing a lot you know this but uh, a lot of people don't understand is that professional golfers are independent contractors and so there's no contract that requires them to do media at yeah. all at any time so they can tell me to you know what 
as much mm-hmm. as they want. And I've been called every name in the book by pretty much every player out here a time or two, except you, of course. <laughs> and and uh and it, it doesn't, I don't, you know, thick skin, call it whatever you want, but it doesn't ever bother me. It's never personal. It's just a job. I'm just trying to make life easier for people and um, so, but most of the guys on both the champions tour and the regular tour and a lot of even the corn fairy guys have crossed paths with me and worked with me and, and I've always made it short and sweet and easy and, uh, you know, it goes back to being lazy. I'm too lazy to make, make it work for anybody, myself included. I want the easiest, I want the easiest path to resist as possible. That's a relative term. Um, I uh, so you're kind of the maestro. Like, I mean, you 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 direct the the players to the media group, and do you, you write kind of a wrap up every week, or like, are you under any kind of yeah. timeline? Yeah, yeah, we are under a timeline as opposed to actually writing game stories about the rounds. What I do is I put together a page or two of just bullet point notes, like if let's say Fred Funk, who's leading, if he makes a hole in one today. I'm going to anticipate all the questions of how many times has Fred Funk made a hole in one before? How many times has anyone ever made a hole in one on this particular hole before? I don't know all the answers, but we have the database to look that up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of just kind of bullet points that I do. The one thing, the one thing that I do write articles for a lot are the charity stories. The, you know, the obviously the PGA Tour gives a lot of money back to charity. And I love telling the stories of people that are up against it and benefit from charity dollars earlier this week on Tuesday, we had, um, a, an organization, um, I can't remember the exact name of the organization, but they were adaptive golf players, handicapped people that were either born with handicaps, physical disabilities, or injury accidents have made them, uh, acetated, but they love golf and they want to play golf. And it's amazing how far adaptive golf as they're calling it has come. And so there was a range full of people in walkers, wheelchairs, some didn't have arms or legs, but they're able to play golf. And it's just, that is the most incredible thing. I'm like, these are the biggest celebrities on site here this week. These people that, you know, there was one guy with just horrible scoliosis that he couldn't even stand up straight. And he was out there and he was hitting balls. And that's the coolest thing in the world for me. So I did write a nice story on that. And that's on my Facebook page. Are you is that where you saw the video? Um, That was just a Google search. Okay, I'll send you the uh, I'll send you the link to that story that I wrote. You might get get a kick out of that. And I also did completely unrelated. Asked you about your tattoos about 15 years ago. I've always been fascinated by asking people about the stories behind their tattoos. That led me to put together a cool little trailer to a documentary I wanted to do on the stories behind the tattoos people have. And so I, it never came to fruition, but I did put together a really cool, like eight to 10 minute trailer of here's what the show would look like if I were to do it. And I'll send you that too. Yeah, for sure. That, uh, that w- that'd be great. I mean, I'm going to definitely watch all the videos that I saw earlier. Uh, there were a few and my, my mom used to run a, a tournament. It was the national amputee tournament at the time. I assume that term's still politically correct. And, uh, yeah. but this w- one gentleman, he had, um, he had one leg, um, one arm, and that one arm only had uh, three fingers on it, and he was a two-handicap. Wow. Yeah, so he had this huge, like, it looked like a, you know, a, a tree trunk arm and just a beast, and he just swung with his left arm, and I remember I was, you know, eight to 12, and she ran that tournament for four years, and um, this watched him flush. It was just so cool, and that's the thing. With, that's what's cool about golf is you can play it forever, and you can have a lot of physical limitations and still enjoy it, so um, yep. it's, it, and it's great for business, and, you know, just uh, I've definitely uh, enjoyed teaching people just to at least get to where they can enjoy it and, and, and play with their, you know, colleagues and you know talks talk shop out there because a lot of work gets done on the golf course so um yeah but yeah well that's uh that's good stuff and and i again i appreciate it i know you need to hustle out um yeah but well it's yeah. been a pleasure i love yeah. uh so i got so excited when i saw your text your initial text come through and i'm glad you sent it to me because i didn't you must have gotten a new number in the last eight or nine years 
So yeah. I've got to, uh, now I know how to find you and track you down. Yeah. Holler me anytime. I mean, I, uh, I hope to come to, I'm going to uh Lonto's wedding. He's a Jacksonville guy. Uh, you know, yeah. he's, uh, next week getting uh, married to Maya and, um, where are they getting married? Hmm? Are they getting married out in Ponte Vedra or Pinehurst? Oh, they're getting married in Pinehurst. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. She's a Wake Forest gal, um, lawyer, great, great woman. And then Lonto's one of my best friends. And uh, so looking forward to that. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, you know, uh, thanks for doing this at the very last second. And uh, you got it. Anytime. I'll be. I'll be following uh, your career, and I mean, shoot, I guess you're, you know, you'll be in, in the 40-year range by the time you're done. I don't know when you want to stop. You can do it forever, I think. I don't know what else I'd do at this point. As long as they'll keep having me around, I'll keep showing up. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, you're the best at what you do, in my opinion, and uh, well, you're nice. I appreciate it very much, Mr. Doug. All right, my brother. It's great to see you and talk with you. Just keep me updated. Yep. Anything I can do to help you out, I'm always here for you. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it so much. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Have a good day. See ya. See ya. All righty. Episode 26 of Tier Time with Doug Milne, uh, PGA Tour writer, legend. Been doing it for 32 years. Pretty cool. He was a, he was a um, great sounding board for me when I was out there. Really enjoyed uh, hanging out with him. Obviously a very uh, gracious and, and, and kind dude. So, um if you follow the BJ Tour, you've read many of his articles. So he's a staffer out there and has been for decades. Well, everybody stay dear. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good weekend.